Welcome back to Thy Kingdom Pod, a podcast about living in the unfinished mission of Jesus. We're so glad you're tuning in. Have you ever felt like there was something that was keeping you from knowing your neighbors? Maybe you were experiencing isolation even before the pandemic. Well, today we're going to be talking about community, the challenges of finding it in America, the ways we can be more intentional approaching it, and how it also points us to the character of God and his kingdom. To discuss all these things, here are Jonathan, Sarah, Jim, and Sonia. Hello, hello, and welcome to That Kingdom Pod. From wherever you're listening from, we hope you are well. Joining me once again are Jim, Sonia, and Sarah. How are you guys doing today? Great. Pretty good today. Doing good. Glad to be here together. Yeah. Absolutely. Always look forward to it. (laughs) Together is better. Um, Our topic today is community. Um, We love community here at TMS Global. We love it so much that we made it one of our core values. Um, And when we say community, we simply mean that we value connecting deeply with other people and caring for the whole person or a whole community um, as we walk with them into the kingdom of God. Um, What's ironic is that we have so many different ways to communicate more now more than ever, so many different ways to connect, but people still feel lonely and isolated and it's kind of tragic. But before we, jump into that i wanted to ask you guys somewhat personal question Hmm. so you get an entire day by yourself totally by yourself sun up to sundown how do you spend it it's gonna start with something good to drink and something good to eat and something good to read and there's going to be a lot of walking outside. It's going to have to be sunny weather too. It's it can be sunny on your on your isolated day on your day by yourself. Yes. What are you reading? Is it a like a really serious book that's going to develop you yes. spiritually, or are you reading like a rom com, <laughs> like a romantic, no. like a Nora Roberts by the it's pool? It's going to be some N.T. Wright or C.S. Oh, Lewis yeah. or <laughs> something like that. That is not by the pool reading, Sarah. I might, at the end of the day, end it with some rom-com or something cute. Okay. Winding down. Okay. What about the rest of you guys? My day will start with coffee. Has to start with coffee. Doesn't matter what the season is. It can be 90 degrees outside or nine. My day must start with coffee. Must start with a dock roast with hints of chocolate and um, caramel in it. So it must come from Colombia, Ethiopia, one of those places. That's the well, beginning. That's very, that's very precise. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a coffee snob. Oh, I know the, I know the type. I know the type. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so got, gotta have that. Um, so it's gonna start with coffee. It's, it has to start. Uh, in front of a large body of water. Um, So I have to be on the beach, um, waves, watching the ebbs and flows of the ocean, um, and something fantastic to eat. Um, And I'm going to be specific about my book. My favorite, favorite all-time book um, is actually by C.S. Lewis, Sarah, and it yeah. is um, The Great Divorce. Yes. Mm, great book. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's my day. I'll read it, marinate on it, um, read one chapter, go back and read it again. And, um, and go read to it the a third next, time because you don't there, know what he's there saying. There you go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Read it a couple of times. Go to the next chapter. Bounce back and read the first chapter again. And <laughs> Yeah, pray that some grilled salmon shows up somewhere, and yeah, that's All that's right. my day. You, wow, you I'm I'm going to disappoint you, John. I don't think I'm about to disappoint all of you when I tell you. Yeah, what I'm pretty nowhere. much going to. I'm with Sonya on the water. I, I've got to be outside. I'm I'm not a 
sit down and contemplate for hours kind of person. I get too bored. My mind mm -hmm. jumps around. So I'm probably going to be moving. So I sleep late. Yes. Um, have a good breakfast, maybe coffee. Sorry, Sonia. I'm not too picky uh, about it. Oh. Um, but then I'll get outside, preferably to a waterfall or to somewhere in the woods or along the beach. I'm going to be outside and probably walking a good chunk of it. Maybe sit for a while somewhere, but be doing a lot of walking. And if I do sit and read, it's going to be uh, a book by Grisham. So okay. I, I go straight to okay. escapism for my reading. And, okay. Uh, okay. That's fair. Eat when I feel like it, what I feel like, probably nothing really fancy, just various things. I don't know how Sonia can be friends with you, Jim, when you're so cavalier about your coffee. Well, I'll let her make it. Okay. Then I'll be happy. Listen, there you go. <laughs> and he throws in a joke every now and then. So that, that lightens my day even more. Yeah. There you go. Um, so I'm about it. This is then now the millennial has entered the chat. So oh. in the morning, um, I, if, you know, if I spend it by myself, it's going to be in front of my PlayStation and I'm going to play video games until my eyeballs bleed. When they start bleeding, I know it's time to eat something. So then I'll go get food. And right <laughs> around the time I'm eating, right around the time I'm eating, I'm going to be tired of being by myself and I'm going to text somebody or call somebody <laughs> to see if they want to hang out. And I'll probably find one or two people to go lounge around at a pool with a cold drink Maybe there's a, a sports game on TV. Maybe there's a baseball game on the radio or some great music. But that to me sounds like the perfect, perfect day of unwinding. But interestingly, I'm the only one who said I'd want to text or call somebody because I'd get bored. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally like on my ideal Saturday, if I got my ideal Saturday, it would still start the same with that same yummy drink and, and breakfast and a book and a walk. And then I would call my bestie. It would still involve another person, but I have okay, okay, because okay. I'm a rule follower. Oh, I'm sorry. I, the question, <laughs> yeah, is, is the question yeah, is I'm with you, okay, Sarah. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so today, while we're talking about community, um, in this era, in this age when we have so many different ways to communicate and connect than ever, um, I find it interesting, and I want to I want to hear from you guys and what you see in your peer group in your, um, the places where you do life. Um, I see a lot of people around me struggling with loneliness and isolation, not by choice. Um, do you all see that? Or is that just me? And I'm talking even before COVID now with COVID. Yes. But is that something you guys see as well? Or is that, is that just my, my group? I think it was almost worse before COVID we were just so busy it was hard to find time to really deeply connect now we're a little less busy and the ways that we connect might be different but i don't know i feel like around me there's there is loneliness but people are actually finding the time to connect and making that time whereas before they were way too busy and every minute was packed out yeah yeah, I've, I actually, there was an article that I read recently to that effect that said that while at the beginning of COVID, people expressed loneliness and isolation, that now the, the loneliness scores on this whatever tracking mechanism they use is actually lower now than it was before COVID. Mm. Having said that, when we returned from Kazakhstan, um, after living there for 10 years, in 2006 we returned, that was probably the biggest part of my reverse culture shock was a loss of community. And I, I built good friendships at, at our office at TMS Global, but that just community was just part of what you did. You didn't think about it, it just happened in our lives there and that was gone. Mm. And so I would say, yes, um, having lived in a different culture, it really, to me, identified this as a major lack in our culture. And I think people, exhibit that lack in their own sense of isolation and loneliness. Yeah, I would, I would definitely have to agree with you, Jim. For me, too, coming back after having lived in Kenya for 12 years, um, community was definitely defined very differently um, here in the United States. 
um, and just adjusting to the new definition of community. And I find that that doesn't just happen moving from one country to another, but it literally happens moving across cultures, um, even within the United States, we define community very differently. Um, and sometimes we experience isolation, even though there are people around us because of the different point of reference of what community is for you. Um, and so therefore isolation could, could, you could experience isolation even in that, even with people around you um, um, and not see community in the same way. So I did campus ministry for 10 years, and this was one of my biggest coaching points for all of my seniors who were graduating and getting ready to go to work in the real world was around how to build community in that new lifestyle because it was so different. In college, you can spend 40 hours with another person in mm. a matter of three days. And, you know, it just takes 40 hours to spend 40 hours with somebody. And the amount of time it takes to spend 40 hours with someone and build that relationship is significantly longer when you're working 40 hours at a, at a job. And mm. so it, it can take almost two years to spend 40 hours with another person in quality ways post-college, whereas during college, that's, that's three days. That's a week. Yeah. I think some of it is time, but I don't think it's just time. I think it's also the environment. So in college or like where I was living in Kazakhstan, it sounds like where Sonia was in Kenya, that life itself kind of was conducive for it. In college, you're going to classes with people. You're trying to live with people in dormitories and stuff like that. Um, where we were, um, we just walk into the bus stop. I'm going to mm -hmm. apt to strike up a conversation with the neighbor. Our kids are out playing in the courtyard. There's other kids playing around them. We come here and we're in our little garages and our little suburbs, depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. And, and basically the way our lives are structured works against community. We're in settings like college or like many cross-cultural settings outside of the U S especially it reinforces community. So you don't have to be so intentional about it. And I guess that's what hit me is the level of intentionality. Um, I often share that within a month or two of Kazakhstan, I knew most of our neighbors more than I probably knew after 10 years living here in the metro Atlanta area. Now, some of that's on me, but again, just life itself lended itself to doing that uh, when we lived over there. So you guys have brought up a couple of interesting things that I want to dive into because I think they're, 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 they're each interesting in their own ways. The first one, um, especially Jim and Sonia, who have spent significant time living overseas. And Jim, you just touched on this. Why do you think it's, what is, the, what is it with the U.S. specifically that makes intentional community so difficult? Is it the busyness? I'm not a specialist on this, but I, I do know that the more technology there is in a uh, culture, the less connected that culture tends to be. And so that's, that's one reason. Um, so I think that that's, that's part of it, just that technology and busyness. But I think it's also the mobility we have. And that's where it's, it's less natural that you, you don't necessarily live even close to any of your normal, what, what would in the old days or many cultures kind of is your natural community of your extended family. Oh, okay. Um, people just don't live around extended family. So you, um, you have that. And then again, as I said, our, our, the layout of our very neighborhoods, your automatic garage door opener, your back deck rather than your front porch, um, the lack of sidewalks, uh, all those things are things that we have done culturally that, that continue to drive us away from each other um, mm. and just makes it so you have to work harder at it. Um, you often go to church 10 miles away from where you live. Um, you're not walking to church along with the, your neighbors, um, all those things. Just, no, just pull you away. Yeah, you're describing uh, the same similar cultural context in, in Kenya, you know, as you're, I'm thinking about even the greeting, like for us here in the United States, you say, when you greet someone, you say, hello, how are you? But how often do we give people an opportunity to respond to the question that we're asking them because we're continuously moving and, and in Kenya, the greeting was Habariyako. And, it, and what you're simply asking is, what is the news of the day? Um, <laughs> and the response to that was literally a pause. You stopped because you wanted to hear the answer. Um, and it was extremely offensive 
if you kept moving, not to hear the answer. And the other mm. key to that is most of the time you are walking. So there is time <laughs> to do that. You can't scream habariako from the car as you're flying by, but there's, there's always walking and people, it's the pace of life, um, the interconnectedness with the pace of life. Um, it's funny, we would go into our, the area where we lived heading to our compound um, and the guard could leave us messages or the security guy would give us messages from people who came looking for us. And then we would hear from them that the guard could tell them exactly where we were and what we were doing. Um, and it wasn't <laughs> an intrusion. It was never viewed as an intrusion on life as we would possibly consider it here. Why are you in my business? It was never mm -hmm. that. It was just that mm -hmm. this there's this sense of community and we're interconnected so that we know um, and we're doing life with you. Right. I think the right. interconnectedness is what we're totally missing here. We're so fragmented. We've tried to build community where we are and my kids have friends from school. I don't know a lot of their parents. It's strange to get to know another, to reach out to another kid's parents now, which is very odd and weird and it shouldn't be that way my husband would have friends with people at his work which is 30 minutes from here i have friends from my work which is the different 30 minutes from here and they all live another you know 30 minutes past that mm -hmm. in their commute so there's just no one who really knows my whole family mm. and so that kind of fragmentation we're even within the family we have different circles of community it's super right. come here. Yeah, and I think the the other the other part of it I wanted to touch on um, had to do with uh, what you mentioned, Sarah, about it being so much easier to have community in college because it's kind of built into the the program, so to speak, the system. Mm -hmm. um, I also worked. I've said this before. But I also worked in campus ministry, and that's one of the biggest things that people who leave. Um, college struggle with is yep. finding a community and the reason is they haven't had to fight for it they haven't right. had to schedule it or be intentional with it because it's kind of been done for them yep. and yeah it's absolutely a rhythm of life thing where they, they're allowing kind of uh, the American culture to dictate hey this is going to be the rhythm of life for you um, and if you don't put your foot down and say no I'm gonna I'm gonna be intentional about this you'll just get caught up in it and it's not going to happen for you automatically like it did in college um uh before we go any further why is what is this king this podcast is called that kingdom pod what is it about community that points to the kingdom of god i think this is where the trinity becomes far more than just a nice theological concept like God three in one. It's like mind bending and confusing, but like at its core, it's still very important that God himself is not in isolation. That He is in community just within his own being and a, a unity in, commun in community, which is seems terribly impossible to attain here. God has attained and, and models for us that three when you get down to the technical, three distinct persons. And that's what the Trinity is, three distinct persons who exist in complete unity of mind, will, and action. Mm -hmm. Not action, because they are distinct persons. It's just so fascinating and why it's so important that every person that's made in the image of God is also made to be a distinct human being. And that is really important. Sometimes it gets lost when we talk about community, but that you're not supposed to be enmeshed in your community, but you're still to be a distinct person, but relating to other people. It's the way God had it from the very beginning. When he created man, he said, it's not good for you to be alone. Why? Because it's not fully in God's image. If it's alone, God doesn't stand alone. He stands in community with himself. That's a mind bending concept for sure. It Sarah. is. Yeah. But I think what it what what that means is that community is a sign of the kingdom, and so it's it's when we're in healthy community that that the kingdom values begin to show through. In fact, Jesus goes as far as to say that he says, "How will people know that I am the one that God sent 
by the way you love one another. And so oh. it's when we're in community, we're actually exhibiting the kingdom. And I, I remember once some years ago, looking at the entire scripture from the perspective of community. And it's rather astonishing. You can look at everything from the fall to the restoration, to the challenges of the people of God, all the way to the coming of Christ in that perspective of human relationships and community. And it's, you really see that even the fall of humankind was a breaking of relationships and God's whole restorative effort is to restore those relationships. And yeah. even the power of the early church, the, the whole mission movement was birthed in the church of Antioch, which was an incredibly diverse church. If you look at who was in the room, but yet they had incredible unity and, and the whole mission movement was birthed out of that. So that's where the people see the power of God is when this community of distinct persons that Sarah talked about, are able to be unified uh, in faith. Yeah, I think I think you're all dead on. I think about um, even the model that we have in Jesus Christ. I mean, when he announced the kingdom, he announced it in community. He didn't come and do the work of the kingdom alone, though he could have. Um, but he came and he had disciples. He he told so many individuals, "Follow me, <laughs> follow right. me." Right. Um, he called the disciples out from the work that they were doing to come follow me. Um, and he didn't do it in a silo. I mean, he did it in front of people so that, that they could see that this is a work together, a community type effort. I, we see it very clearly in the model mm -hmm. that Jesus has for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's if we look at the faith perspective uh, from especially Western Christianity, and we've really perfected it pretty well here in the United States because of our own history. It's, it's a result of our culture, but we have so individualized the faith because we tend toward an individualistic culture that's about the individual, not about the community, that we've all but um, gutted some of the community aspects of the, the gospel out, and we're rediscovering them. Hmm. Um, but for example, all so many of the yous in the New Testament that we apply and we quote scripture applying to us as individuals are really y'alls, they're plural used mm. in the language. This is where the South gets it right. Yeah, we That's need right. the, the Southern. South gets it right. <laughs> I, I've often said the Southern language is actually a better language because most languages do distinguish between singular and plural. They need uh, that Southern used. translation is what you're right. saying. But so many of the scriptures that we apply to individuals, um, both Old and New Testament, if you look at the scriptural context, it's applied to community. And we could really go nuts theologically here, and I promise not to take us there, Jonathan. But even <laughs> my, the brain, my brain would explode if you did. That's right. Don't want to see your brain explode. No. Uh, even the audio is not pretty. But the um, you would hear it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the whole idea of sin, and when we get into systemic racism and some of those things we're talking about, one thing that gives us a hard time with that is we tend to think of sin only individually. But if you look at the scriptures, even sin is a corporate thing. So community is mm. huge both from mm -hmm. the positive side and the negative side, a community is huge. And we often miss that because of our, our rather individualistic lens. Mm -hmm. That makes yeah. sense. But and, I'll get and, off my theological horse right now. I promise. <laughs> no, mm -hmm. it, it makes me think about this, this um, very distinct encounter when we served in Kenya, when I was in Kenya, I remember being and talking about community and the kingdom of God being at hand and it literally impacting the entire community. I remember being in a particular village that was literally nestled in the middle of a game park, but there was a village there and we went there and we showed the Jesus film in their local language. Um, and you could hear the gasp in the audience um, when they finally got um, what Jesus did for us. But the amazing thing happened when we offered Christ in that village, nobody moved. They just sat there. But when the kings, the, not the king, I'm sorry, when the chief stood up to accept Christ and he spoke, every single person in that village literally accepted Christ. And we went back to do follow-up and literally the culture in that village changed because the chief accepted Christ, but nobody in that community would move until he did. But we saw this complete shift in this one little village. Um, it was a community <laughs> shift um, when the kingdom entered that village, uh, but mm -hmm. it was a community thing. When the chief did, everybody else did. Mm. Yeah, so I think that that me and God idea that we have so much in Western Christianity, I think 
sometimes has the risk of removing us from that, the importance of community in our faith walk. And so you mm-hmm. say, what is the connection of community and kingdom? It's not just community is cool because it's fun to be around people, but it actually is a kingdom value. And it's the way we are wired. We are created for mm-hmm. community. Yeah. And so if we're not in community, we're going to feel that, that gap. That makes total sense. I, I have this, one of my pet peeves, if you'll allow me to express one of my pet peeves. You have pet peeves, John? <laughs> I have so many. I could write a book on how many I have. One of them is, I'll give you, I'll give you the serious one first. W- one of my pet peeves is people who are self-important. Like, I don't know, they're a little self-obsessed. And you. And this is kind of, you see it a little bit creeping in to some of the Christianese. I don't know if you've had believing friends who are very much very interested, a little too interested with how God has created them and they want to discover. I'm just trying to, you get a little bit of this talk when people talk about the their their strengths or they talk about, hey, what number are you on the Enneagram? Or I'm just going to read this book to discover more about myself. And all that's fine. It's okay to do <laughs> self-improvement, but I, I don't know. I just have, I just meet some people where I'm like, I think, I think you've figured yourself out. <laughs> I think you can. I think you can move on. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, the irony there, John, is that is that it's often in the context of others that we learn about ourselves. So those things exactly. Are helpful, that's that's what I was trying but, to say. It's like it's often. In fact, uh, Ravi David, one of my mentors uh, and part of TMS Global, Ravi always says, in in the Indian context, there's no me outside of the context of we. Mm. And and so you, I think. Mm some of the self-help stuff is you're right. It's helpful, but it, it should be, be helpful and sure. helping us learn how to connect with others. It's not just a navel gazing exercise. Exactly. See, you're saying exact, exactly what I tried to say, except using adult words. <laughs> yeah. Navel gazing is a very adult word. I'm glad you. Uh, navel you know, gazing is my, my year three. Language. Yeah. Year three of seminary, I think is <laughs> navel gazing. It's always so interesting to me that it seems that this whole concept of community, um, is, is much more accepted in the majority world mm-hmm. um, because I'm just thinking about the terminology that comes, that it's an African phrase that says Ubuntu. Um, and that just simply means I am because we are. Um, and so that, that self-expression or the identity comes out of the community and because of the community. And I think that's where even, you know, we've used at TMS, we've used strengths finders, we've used Enneagram, all those things, and they're very useful, but they're, we use them in the context of understanding ourselves so that we can be in stronger community with others. Um, you don't want to stop it at yourself, that's for sure. Right, right. So we, we've kind of discussed the differences between American culture and, other, and how other cultures do community around the world. And we know that here in America... We have a lot of people who struggle with loneliness, struggle to f- and struggle with feeling isolated, even believers um, feeling that way. What is it? I want to talk a little bit about the benefits of community, um, keeping in mind that community is important to the kingdom of God. How can intentional community help to solve the problem of loneliness, specifically here in the U.S.? What steps can be taken? When you talk about what steps can be taken, I think we have to go back to the way you framed it when you started the podcast and you said we have more ways to connect with one another, but less community. And I think we need to distinguish between those two. Just because we can connect and share information doesn't mean that we're actually sharing anything of our lives. Like so many of the ways that we connect are for information sharing purposes really and not actually Mm. for building community building community involves letting someone into my whole life and like life on life kinds of things and if you're going to do that you have to be willing to let your life be impacted by someone else's life and that's a pretty strong struggle for our individualistic selves um Surely I will influence someone else's life. That's fine. No problem there. But to let somebody else influence my life, well, now that's a rub. And that's what it takes in community for it to be real community is that we would actually rub off on mm. one another. Yeah, I think a corollary to the individualistic cultural thing is self-reliance. We definitely lift up self-reliance. 
self-made man, self-made woman. And that is really an antithesis of community. Um, you're not self-made if you're, the idea of community is being vulnerable, giving of yourself and receiving. It's not mm. just the giving, it's the giving and receiving of, with others. And it requires a level of vulnerability and transparency that is really hard um, for us. It doesn't come naturally. I'm speaking confessionally here. It sure doesn't come naturally to me. Um, I have to work at it. Mm-hmm. You know, something that come, came to mind when you were saying self-reliance, because that was just popping into my brain as well, is a long time ago, I heard a talk series done by a, a pastor named Jack Frost. I don't know if you're familiar with Jack mm-hmm. Frost. I think he's since passed away, unfortunately. But um, he was talking about how, and I'm going to butcher this, he's talking about how when you're strong and proud, like when you're acting in that self-reliance, how it's very difficult to find God's love. But when you're weak and vulnerable, it's very easy. And I was, and I've always, that was, I was listening to that series he did at a very pivotal moment in my life. And that's, and I remember that from, I don't remember most of the series, but I remember that. And what you're talking about, I think, um, in the context of getting to, getting to know the Lord, seeing his kingdom advance in our culture, in our communities via, via this, uh, sorry, seeing his kingdom advance in this culture and in our communities, um, it's going to be so much harder to do with this self-reliance spirit. And because he kind of sets himself up against the proud and the strong, it feels like maybe I'm wrong. I think you're totally right. One of the things when I was like the lowest, one of the lowest points I've had in my life, I remember reading in, I believe it's in first John and it said that, I remember praying and believing, like I didn't stop believing in God, but I was sincerely questioning if his love and who he is could really be felt on earth. And I remember reading in first John and it talks about how his love will be felt by the way we treat one another. It will be felt through other believers. And so it was, so kind of combining that with what you're saying, Jonathan, of when we're at our lowest, we will feel the love of God. It's also when we're at our lowest and willing to let other people show us the love of God because he shows us That's his so love true. right now through one another. Um, That's so good. He certainly speaks to us in prayer and in these one-on-one ways, but I still think his primary way is through his other, other people who have his spirit in them. Mm-hmm. I've had this unique, not unique, but I've had this experience um, that I think sums up um, exactly what we're talking about in community and starting with what you started saying, Sarah, where um, before we had all of these platforms and opportunities to engage people, but actually developing community does not come until we reach a level of transparency, intentionality, vulnerability. I think you said that, Jim, Um, I teach a a women's Bible study or Sunday school class on um, Sunday mornings. And of course, since COVID, we've been doing that virtually um, on Zoom. And it's amazing. Just this past Sunday, a couple of other leaders and I had this conversation about how much more connected our class is since we have been on Zoom. Um, We would go into the classroom and people would be busy. I'm here for these 45 minutes. I've got other things to do. Let me go. But since we have been um, doing this Bible study on on Zoom, um, the ladies come with intentionality. They're looking forward. People are more transparent. Um, And there's this intentionality of this is how I can engage with other people. And so I'm not going to miss this opportunity. And women are opening up and we're sharing um, and voluntarily saying, you know what, let me get your phone number because let's keep in touch. Let's hold each other accountable. But community is growing out of those very things that we've been talking about, even in the midst of COVID. That's awesome. I like the word that Sonia said that the word intentionality is just key here uh, because it, it takes effort. A community mm-hmm. doesn't usually just happen, even in places like Sonia and I talked about where or in college where it's it's more conducive to it. There's there still is effort. Yeah. I think that that level of intentionality, um, one of the snippets that, that Ruth sent us, um, Ruth is our colleague who goes finding great things for us to share from other authors. But this came from John 
Tyson, um, written by Neil Postman, but he says this, I think it really speaks to this. It says, we know everything about that, which we can do nothing about. It's a little bit convoluted. We know everything about that, which we can do nothing about, and almost nothing about which we can do everything about. He gives an example of that, so it's not too confusing. So I can know a lot about Korean cell phone tracking or the global economy, but do I even know my neighbor's name? I think his point is we can get lots and lots of information and we tend to focus on information that we really have no agency. I think that with all of us watching the news and videos mm-hmm. that we're going to post this video and post that video and, mm-hmm. and pontificate about this or that, the other. And these are things that we have limited control, at least for those things. Mm-hmm. And then the things we can have real agency in, and that's the people that we work with, our neighbors, our communities. Um, we don't find out. We don't know who our neighbors are. We don't know what's going on in our communities. We don't um, even know the local politics. We know the national politics, but we don't know the local politics. And I think all that that points to one of the challenges with this. It's, it is so easy to step back and make statements and almost have a quasi community or a false community in areas that we don't really have deep engagement, um, whether it's a Facebook group or something like that. And then we use that as a wall to avoid getting connected to those places we can. I know it all sounds convoluted, but the point is be intentional and be local. Yeah. I think he, uh, towards the end of that, he says, uh, pay attention to those around us because that's how we repair the world. Yeah. Um, thank you, Ruth, for sharing that with us. Cause, but, and that's true. Like that's, oh man, what you just described is just, I know we've seen that played out so often on our virtual lives. We see that so much. So taking the current situation around race relations going on in our culture, I can sit and I can post videos and I can say how bad this person is because they're a racist or whatever else. And I can do all that I want to, but am I doing those things in my own community? Am I building the relationships with people who are different than myself? That's where community comes in. Am I forming a community of people who are different or am I just sitting back and pontificating? Um, and pontificating is a lot easier and it Mm -hmm. it does release endorphins. (laughs) (laughs) So you, you, um, is there anything else that you guys, um, would, would say as far as, cause we've touched on a few things that, uh, as well, as to why intentional community can be so hard. Um, is there anything else come to mind as far as what makes it so difficult to have intentional community for us? We have to limit ourselves. You have to make margin, like make room in your life. Mm. So we are not super awesome at limiting ourselves. Like Jim was saying, like you can know everything globally. You can connect. And like I use air quotes, so you can't see, you can connect with people all across the globe, but you can't really have community in that kind of way. And so you have to limit yourself to those things that you can see, touch, hear, those people that you can you can physically touch, which is like no one right now, but you know, six point <laughs> fives, whatever. <laughs> that limiting of ourselves is really challenging. Yeah, no, totally. It's almost like I, I have uh, people in my life, uh, some of my peers who like it feels like there's an award somewhere that they're trying to win for being the busiest or something for having the most things on their plate. Um, because a lot of it, you know, a handful of it is essential stuff. You know, you're just going to have to do it. But a lot of it, I'm like, all these things sound like stuff you kind of did to yourself. Like if you'd have just said no, and I'm speaking to myself cause I'm the worst at saying no. Um, I really am. I'm a, we were bashing the Enneagram, but I am a two, which means I'm a helper. So I always, my heart is always to help and come alongside and want to see people's projects or, or, or I want to see people in general, just help them be all that they can be. So it's, it's really hard for me to say no sometimes, but I know that if I say, you hear this a lot, you know, if you say yes somewhere, you're saying no somewhere else. Um, and that, that, it could be, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say it can be hard to remember that um, in the heat of the moment, because when you're trying to like create margin, it's a lot easier to do 
from like, you know, if you armchair quarterback it on the weekend, it's easy to do. But in the heat of the moment, it's a lot harder to be like, ah, maybe not. And again, I think that's where the intentionality comes in because mm-hmm. our default setting, there is so much we can do. There's so much distraction. There's so much demand. There's so many good opportunities where, you know, back in a simpler culture, you didn't have all those things you could do. And so the community that you are with, the people that were in your proximity were just more by nature, what you're going to do. Um, even when I was a kid, what it was too, we didn't have air conditioning. It was too hot inside to do it, to, to be stuck inside playing video games. So mm-hmm. we go outside with neighborhood kids and, 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 and do stuff. So you just, the way the whole culture worked, it lended itself toward that where now you have to make a decision. I'm going to do this. And so the level of intentionality required is way, way higher now than it was back in the day or in many parts of the world. So true. And, and I should hasten to X. I don't want to make it sound like this is all of America. There are certainly parts of America and subcultures within America that do community really well as part of their culture yes. um, or part of their yes. subculture. So I'm speaking kind of the larger dominant majority culture you see here. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are some amazing examples within our own country that 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 those of us that are longing for that can find that and see examples of that. I, I, I'll say that my wife and I love our church. And one of the reasons we do is because uh, when we decided to be intentional about community, um, we joined a group there and it's really impacted us. It's really made a difference and uh, it's helped um, helped us in more ways than I think we even know or can express, but it started, <laughs> it started when we looked at each other and we said, we should probably do something about stuff right now because, <laughs> you know, it's really easy to sleep in on a Sunday morning. It was easy. We'd worked all week, you know, we could just take, we, at the time we didn't have a kid. So like, let's just sleep in, you know, let's not, let's not, we don't want to join. And then when we started going to church, like, do we really want to have another evening in the week? That's, you know, where we're going to be going to a group. Um, I, I feel like a lot of times um, I remember um, in, in college uh, when I did work in campus ministry, there were, there were evenings. Um, and maybe you guys understand this since you guys have also worked in ministry before there's times when, when it's your job where you just don't feel like going, you just don't feel like doing the thing. <laughs> and I remember pushing through that and you, and I don't know what, you, what y'all's experience was, but in my experience, those were the nights that God really showed up. Mm-hmm. Like you, you thought earlier in the day, uh, you know what? I might just, I'm sick. Uh, I'm just gonna stay home. I'm tired. I've been doing this. And then you show up and boom, it's like, what? I can't believe I was even considering staying home. Like, this is awesome. Um, it's funny how that works and i think when you get that community group like you've mentioned john i think it's in that group that you all have had some some things you've had to walk with people through some difficult times yes and that's what really solidifies a community when 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 there is a huge need or a uh, a loss or a challenge and you walk with each other that that just becomes the glue that holds it together Mm -hmm. somebody mentioned that earlier i think it was you sarah when you talked about when you give somebody the the kind of what's the word I want to use kind of the blessing of helping you. Yeah. Letting them in to help you. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced this, like, uh, like really great community. Uh, it's stateside. That's guess what we're talking about. I have, we had a group Mm -hmm. and I miss them so much when we were in Kentucky, we lived in Kentucky for 10 years and we had dinner with, um, it was four families and other family units, I guess. Um, other folks came and went from the group, which I think is actually one of the really important parts about community is that it's always open to others. Otherwise, it's not a community. It's a commune, which is totally different and a little bit scary. Um, but we had this group of families, four of us, who had dinner together once a week for almost 10 years. And that group was so important to us. We had some of them that we walked with from singleness to marriage to their first babies, second babies through divorces, through cancer treatments, through burying parents and grandparents. We went through a lot. Children, burying children in 10 years time. And that kind of staying power is incredible. I was so very grateful when we went through a super hard season that they were there for us. There were times when 
at a moment's notice, I could call them and say like, I need somebody to watch my kids. I'm dying in a pile over here. Mm -hmm. But it also meant that I was always there for them. If they called on me, I would drop anything and be there for them. So I, I've experienced this and big shout out to my Kentucky community that I still <laughs> love you guys. Yeah. Um, Sonia, you grew up in a, in like a church family because is it your, your father was a pastor, correct? Yeah. Pastored for 50 some years. What wow. was, what was community like growing up with a father who's pastor of a church? Did it look a little bit different? Did it look a lot like what we've been talking about? Um, I think it looked a lot like um, what we've been talking about the desire is for community. Um, when my dad started pastoring, he started with a church plant. So he started from nothing. And there were teenagers that were drawn to the ministry. And so we all kind of grew up together. My parents' house was always open. We were always having people spending the night um, and not necessarily formalized training, but just talking around the table. Um, and the guys that came out back with dad doing something in the yard or working on a car or or those things. And it's just amazing now to see how that community literally grew people up. Um, I was out with my mom a few months ago and she ran into one of the grandchildren of one of the young women that she mentored. And that young lady said to my mom, I just have to personally thank you because it is because of what you did for my grandmother that our entire family now is changed. And we have family meetings and we have family reunions um, every summer and we're all believers. And, and she just went down the line, but it was because of the community um, that my parents created um, when we were growing up and, and what I took with me to Kenya. I had great, fantastic intercultural training um, from TMS Global but quite a bit of what I knew and believed about community and still do came out of my rearing. It's, it's I'm so glad you said that. It's so interesting how we'll overcomplicate it, but it's just as simple as like being with people around the table. Yeah. Doing an activity like a project around the house, repairing a car. It's just, it's not rocket science. And we try to, I think we overthink, I know we overthink it. Yeah. You know, I know I, <laughs> I promise you even recently I've over, overthought it. Um, so I want to end with this question. Um, so let's say, let's do like a, like a hypothetical here. You're entering into like a real life kingdom community. It's thriving there. I want to hear about what you experience there. In other words, what are some of the things that you're noticing in this community that tells you they, they, they got it going on. They, they're doing it the right way. This is kingdom focused. This is thriving. They're living out community well. What are some markers of that? Can I bust out some Christine poll? <laughs> Go for it. There's a good I, resource to put on your resource list. Yeah, for sure. Who is Christine poll since you're busting her out? Uh, she is was one of my professors okay. when I was working on my master's. And I took a whole okay. class on the ethics of Christian community. So what are the things that are important? One of them is gratitude. So like being thankful for one another, caring about the other people who are there, being grateful for what happens. The, another is truth telling because so many times gratitude can eclipse truth telling, meaning you cannot speak the truth if things are bad because you're trying to be grateful all the time. Does that make sense? Like it, it only, if it's only gratitude, it becomes cheery, like fakely cheery. Um, mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So truth telling has to be a component in there also. Um, and then in welcoming other people from the outside, um, that always has to be room for other people. And, um, the last one is fidelity, like staying together for the long haul, sticking with it over time. It takes sticking together for a lot of time. I love that. Yeah. Those were her free, her foundations for Christian community. Yeah, I think you would expect to see you'd expect to see vulnerability and openness, which is 
embodying some of those things Sarah mentioned, but you'd expect to see real practical examples of that where people are leaning on one another, mm-hmm. not just all showing how awesome they are. Yes. <laughs> we have a lot of those kinds of communities mm-hmm. where we all just climb over each other to say how awesome we are. I've actually been in those, I won't say I've been in those communities, but I've been around people where they're having those conversations where like you ask them, Hey, how are you doing? And they just rattle off their entire schedule of how busy they are and all the, but it's like a not so humble Mm -hmm. way to talk about the things that the, the, how important they are kind of thing. I think there's, I think there's two ways we can fake community. And one is that by showing how busy we are, which all come together and, and spend an hour lamenting how busy we are. And the other is to use Christianese, to just um, use spiritual jargon, but but without much substance behind it, to just impress one another with our spiritual qualities and not really get in deep to what we're struggling and where we have doubts or or weaknesses. Yeah. I think the only thing for me that comes to mind, which is interesting, because I don't know how we do this during COVID, but I think in a, in a community um, where you know that real community is happening, I think there's a lot of breaking of bread together. There's I there things. That. Yeah. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Eat 100%. a lot. And is ice cream okay? Does that count? Listen, we start with ice cream and okay. end with ice cream, Jim. Still carbs. Still <laughs> good. Still carbs. I've, 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 I've Keto got a, ice cream. <laughs> I've got a theological um, study ahead of me to try to prove that the bread of the community was really ice cream. That's my plan. <laughs> that is so true, Sonia. How often do you read the gospel and Jesus is eating? That's or, about to, or about to eat. You know what on I'm saying? On his way to, yeah. Coming <laughs> from a meal or on his way to a meal. No, it is profound. You're, yeah. you're absolutely right. And I think along with that, Jonathan, your question, I think, is is shared experience. Okay. There, there mm. should be shared experiences in the community, both both the, the, the great uplifting experiences as well as the challenging experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, you guys, for this. Uh, it's really cool conversation on community. Is there anything else you guys want to insert before we before we go today? We're feeling good. Are we? Are you missing all your people now? Yeah, I am. I'm missing my yeah, people. Yeah, totally and completely. Hey, but this COVID thing won't last forever, so we'll have to think about really awesome. Um, what's it called? Almost like a. I don't want to say it's like a welcome home party. It's like a kind of party that I want, like a. Like a not a back to school party because we're not in school. Back to back to life. Back to life party. I was about to say back to life party. Aerosol sharing party. <laughs> uh. Maybe not. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you again for listening to Thy Kingdom Pod. If you liked this show, please rate and review on whatever platform you're listening, and tell a friend. To find out more about TMS Global, our ministries, and the ways that you can support them, you can go to our website at tmsglobal.org. That's tms-global.org. Also, you can go follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at tmsglobal, but spelled without the A. That's T-M-S-G-L-O-B-L. Thanks, and we'll see you next episode.